Support for this program is provided by Chevron. What are PFAS and why are we worried about them? So PFAS is a class of chemicals that is really useful in a lot of ways. They have been used for decades in everything from stain-resistant carpeting, firefighting foam, pizza boxes, you know, lots of other food packaging. So they're chemicals that are in every American's home and at the same time are in every American's body, quite literally. Uh, Blood tests have found them in every single blood sample taken. So the problem is that at least some of the thousands of chemicals in this class of PFAS are linked to some pretty bad health problems. PFOA and PFOS, which are the chemicals that were sort of first developed by industry and used in Scotchgard and Teflon and military firefighting foam, they have been shown to increase the risk of certain cancers, they can cause preeclampsia, and they can cause immune problems. In fact, they've even been found to make vaccines less effective. I'm Carlos Prieto. This is Political Energy. And today, a familiar voice, Annie Snyder, on why the forever chemicals have stuck around forever and the White House's plan to get him out of most things, even if not all of them. It's Tuesday, October 19th. I've been talking about PFAS for about two years now, but it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around where I might find it. So maybe we can walk through some items in my house and you can tell me. Sure. All right. The bottle of shampoo in my bathroom. Is there PFAS there? I don't know what kind of shampoo you use, Carlos, but uh, testing has found PFAS on a lot of cosmetic products, including shampoo, dental floss, that sort of thing. Okay. I had a grilled cheese for lunch. What about the pan that I use to make my grilled cheese in? Well, if you used a nonstick pan, that really useful kind where you don't have to scrape the cheese off real hard afterwards with a Brillo brush, then probably. And what about food packaging uh like the boxes where frozen food comes is there any pfas there um that's gonna again that's gonna depend pizza boxes and popcorn bags are sort of the ones that are notorious for having pfas popcorn bags wow so fast food packaging of lots of sorts uh typically has had pfas in it historically and the one that surprises a lot of folks is those you know those kind of compostable bowls that you get from like sweet green or some of the sort of like you know healthy fast mm-hmm. casual chains um those have been found to have pfas as well wow Okay, so this thing is virtually everywhere. Um, Why has the EPA had such a hard time grappling with the problem that they pose on our health? Well, Carlos, I know you love lists. And so I've got a list of three things. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one is that just the sheer volume of chemicals that are considered part of this class. So estimates vary, um, but it's definitely in the thousands. And the thing is, the way that our chemicals law is set up, regulators usually have to prove that an individual chemical is dangerous before they can start restricting it. And when that started happening by the early 2000s, industry simply shifted their formula a little bit. They tweaked it to make different versions of the same type of chemical. The second reason is that this is a really complicated chemistry. The last science class I took was called Chemistry for Artists in college, but even for scientists who work on this stuff, it's really it's really hard to get their arms around. You're not dealing with just this sort of end product that we're talking about, but you're talking with about intermediates, you know, when you're making the making that end product or byproducts that come out at the end. And then the last major challenge for EPA has been this issue of confidential business information. So a lot of these chemicals, and really most chemicals in commerce, are considered to be proprietary by the manufacturer. So even though the company is supposed to be handing over a lot of that information to EPA, it's really not clear whether the office that receives this information from a business is actually sharing it with the other arms within EPA that might need to know. 
President Biden has called for more than $10 billion in funding to help address PFAS contamination through his Build Back Better agenda. These critical resources will enable EPA and other federal agencies to scale up the research and work so that they're commiserate with the scale of the challenges that we all face together. Administrator Regan definitely had a formative experience down in North Carolina. He was the state-level environmental regulator in charge with grappling with it. And when he was, say, applying for this job at EPA, when he went before Congress for his confirmation hearing, this was something that he said he was really going to act with urgency on. And so on Monday, the Biden administration, Michael Regan's EPA, put out a new strategy for dealing with PFAS. When I look across the country and I see the challenges communities are facing with PFAS, I know that there are lessons that others have learned, that we have learned, that we can share with, the, with each other. And there are a handful of sort of notable things in it. Probably the most notable thing in this new strategy from Michael Regan's EPA is the way in which it uses some pretty powerful authorities that the agency has to require chemicals manufacturers to hand over information and to gather information where it doesn't exist. And so a central part of this plan is a national testing strategy. It sounds like the plan is partly to grab that list that you told us about earlier and break it down into actionable items. What was the Trump administration's approach during that time from that time till till now? Yeah, so the Trump administration um understood pretty quickly that this was a politically salient issue. So the communities with contaminated drinking water supplies, they don't follow partisan boundaries. And so the the Trump administration had attempted to build confidence with these communities that they were going to deal with the problem and deal with it aggressively. But it turned out to be a real struggle for them, in part because they had a number of former chemicals industry officials within their own ranks. And so even as the Trump administration made some commitments that were that were notable, but all along the way, communities didn't necessarily trust them to be doing the right thing. And these processes went really slowly and not much of significance made it across the finish line under the Trump administration. From what we were talking earlier and from what you're saying now, it seems like because these chemicals are everywhere, um, there will be a lot of interested parties. And I'm wondering what their reaction has been to Regan's uh, announcement on Monday. Generally, across the board, there's been receptiveness to it. I think most interesting is the chemicals industry, given that this really does step up oversight on on the industry. Advocates are also generally welcoming of this. Um, you know, this fulfills a lot, but not all of the things that they have been asking for. There's still some concern and interest around regulating discharges from different industries. EPA has said that they're going to regulate some water discharges from some industries. And similarly, there's been a lot of concern around air emissions, you know, the stuff that comes out of the smokestack, including that was an issue in North Carolina at the site, you know, the the Regan was so familiar with down there. Later Monday, a number of environmental groups weighed in, largely saying that they welcomed the Biden administration's plan. But some of the groups did argue that it fell short in key respects, in particular in not moving to regulate all PFAS as a class. Even if federal regulators decide to go to aggressively get rid of PFAS out of our everyday products, I think it's going to be with us for a very long time. And the thing that makes PFAS unique and particularly problematic is that those same properties that make it so valuable from a consumer perspective, that water resistance, may mean that it like basically never breaks down in the environment. So once it's there, it's there. 
I'm hung up on this, so I have to ask real quick. Are you more of a chemist or more of an artist? <laughs> I'm really neither is the <laughs> is the irony. I had no place in that class. <laughs> if you want more news on energy and the environment in your inbox, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morning energy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Carlos Prieto, and we'll see you tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future.